Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Kell, Hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Ininko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations. And I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal, it is old fucking official. Alright, stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. Vet Bumpy Knuckles has worked with Coogee Rap, DJ Premier, MOP, Pete Rock, Cool Keith, Karis One, and many more. 11 albums under his belt, including his last one, Pop Duke, Volume 1, and many more to come. Freddie Fox, a.k.a. Bumpy Knuckles. Welcome to the library with Tim Hop.com. Thanks for being here, man. All right. What's up, bro? Thank you. Thanks. Uh, not much. Thanks. Uh, so I want to start from the beginning. You know, I, I know you started you started rapping in sixth grade, and your buddy, uh, Cool C, had a tape of the Cold Crush 4. What about this tape that made you, I guess, become a little more serious about rapping and put you on this serious venture to where you are now? Um, I, I think because what what I was raised on, you know, the, the, the singers, you know, the Al Green, James Brown, you know, Betty Wright, uh, Temptations, all that stuff, it was different. You know what I mean? When hearing, hearing somebody actually rapping to, the, to, their, to those breaks on those actual songs, and, and making and changing the words and making their own words with those same melodies and just the dynamics of it, the presentation of hip hop, the way that 
the Cold Crush Four did it, the way that, and I was trying to visualize what it was in my head. You know what I mean? Because we were hearing it on tapes, but I hadn't seen it. Then to actually go see those guys at those shows, I was a kid, you know, and and Mike and Dave shows, and in the audience, and in the crowd, paying to get paying to get in, trying to fit in. You know what I mean? And I was mm-hmm. looking at this like, wow, the presentation of it. So I knew that. I said, I think I can do this. You know what I mean? I was always, I was always one of those guys that knew how to adapt. So I felt like it was something that you know I wanted to do, and especially then Cool C turned me on to, you know, rocking to the turntables and all that. Like he turned me on to that in a in a big way. I'd done it once before, but I wasn't serious about it, you know. But then when I got a chance to get around those guys, him, Tony, George, um, uh, who else was Richie? Uh, L, Ellaby, um, all of us were like a crew, you know what I'm saying? K1, we were all like a crew, man. And just, that was Royal Nation the first time. And then we started, that's what, that was like the, the that was like the, the, the pre kindergarten of hip hop for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. to be around those were my peers, and we were all kind of learning from each other. And then it fell into Supreme Force when two crews from that town we lived in split up so we pieced them together it took me easy e which is eric and and cool c which is kurt and us three made supreme force and, and let's talk about supreme force in 1986 you guys were signed to dia records and you recorded you got to come out fresh mm-hmm. um, well one how did you come up with the name supreme force and then at that time for you guys what did signing with nia records mean for you and- oh yeah um I don't, to be honest with you, I don't remember how we came up with the name Supreme Force. I knew, I knew it was, um, it was definitely, I think Eric might have came up with that name. Eric, I think Eric Easy E came up with the name Supreme Force, if I'm not mistaken. And then the, uh, to sign with Nia was cool because I wouldn't have had that situation had it not been for, uh, uh, my, my best friend, his name is Cap. He, Cap Mellow Rap. He's, his Tyron is his name. I grew up with him and he had a, he had a record deal and he was working with these producers in Queens named OT fresh productions, Tony and Yuli Sankets. And he said, yo, I got, they were looking for more rappers. He's like, yo, I got a guy who, you know, my cousin, my cousin, he called me his cousin. We like, we like family. So he said, yo, my cousin, my cousin. So he took me, to that studio, went out there, I met them, and then I, you know, I told them about the group and everything, and then, you know, I went out there with the group, and they, they fell in love, like, yo, so we did it, you know, we rapped, we made, we made that record, that was the deal that they got us, so they had the studio, we came to Queens, we was, it was like a mission every day to go, to go out there and, and get to work, you know what I mean, and that's how we got to deal with Nia, and it was cool, because I graduated high school in 85, and I had my first record deal in 86. That's crazy. So I was right into the game. It was like, you know what I mean? I wasn't trying to be working for nobody and all that. <laughs> I had big at, you know, that's what made me stick with it. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, yo, I don't do well with 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 uh, rules and regulations under certain pretenses, under certain situations. I'm not really, you know, and especially when people feel like, when people don't understand the concept of being a boss, you know, they think, boss means telling people yelling at people and talking to people with authority that doesn't mean you're a boss you know what i mean bosses inspire people to want to follow a great example to be great and i always think that that should be the example of a boss so 
if I wasn't seeing that, I wasn't going to be underneath no shit like that. So that's what made me stick to music, you know? Can you actually take me into... So so the reason why I kind of started doing these interviews, right, is because... Um, so in 86, I would have been seven. So I was born in 79. I grew up in New York City. Mm-hmm. I could do the self-destruction rap backwards and forward by heart to this day. I'm mm-hmm. four years old. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, for me, it's about, like, why is that important at the time? Like, why did an 11-year-old kid listen to self-destruction? Why is that important? What was going on in the game mm-hmm. or in the industry and the culture at that time? Uh, you know, arguably, if you look at a kid now who wants to rap, they will do it because it's the number one genre out there. They know they can make money off of it. They can make a career. Mm-hmm. But take us back to 86, 85, when it wasn't as popular as it was. You know, I remember Z100 in New York City was proud to be like, we don't play rap at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you guys think that if it didn't become a number one genre, at least it would still be here now in 2020. I don't, I don't, well, me personally, I don't think we cared about that. I think, I think the focus was more just being good at it because it was about, it was, a, it was another way to compete in, in against somebody else. It was like, we were, we, that's what, that's what, that was the reason why we made a crew. You know what I mean? There was a couple of cats that was running around that was just solo rappers, which was dope. But to have a crew meant, you know, we were going to go there and do it together as a group. You know what I mean? I don't know if we believed that it was going to be around 20 years later. There was a certain time in which that hit me when it was that it wasn't that early though. I was more about just getting girls, being dope enough to go somewhere else and compete we got we we always in some kind of contest it was a, like it was either best rap contest best dress contest with a rap contest attached to it we were getting in all kind of contests so that was basically what it was about it wasn't about us making records or making making money we were doing shows and being paid we went from doing backyard parties and being paid 25 dollars or 40 dollars or whatever it was for the dj to rocking in battles and winning $500 prizes and, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of where it was. It wasn't about, it didn't, that other part didn't really hit us until I think it was around like, right around after like the, like when, like new edition was popping around then, you know what I mean? Right, right. And we were seeing a bunch of, when you see kids become famous and you doing something similar or what they're doing, singing, dancing, rapping, whatever you do, you it's, it's inspirational to want to go to that level with it. So I think that's like we started seeing more of that because once we stopped going to the like we, we always went to parties and shows like that. But it was like, yo, I'm tired of looking at it from the crowd. I need to be up there. like You know what I mean? That's when it starts to build. It started to build up for us, at least for, for me. Uh, you know, you, you talked about your story of uh, slated, slated to meet, a, meet up with Eric B and have a meeting and, you know, you decided not to do it because he was looking for a solo artist and you were, you know, wanted to bring Supreme Force. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you joke, you, you know, you, you, you made jokes about how you did the industry a favor because who knew if Eric B and Rockham would have came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, two questions. Why was a meeting with Eric B, why would it have been important uh, what do you think it would have done for your, I guess, your career, your art? And two, what did you know about Rakim at the time? Um, well, the, 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 I'll answer the second part first. Mm-hmm. Rakim, Rakim was uh, was in a group called the Love Brothers from Wydanch. And they were like, like they were, rock, they were rocking everything 
they went to. Every party they went to, they was rocking, killing it. You know what I mean? And then, you know, I, I think, I don't know if they didn't have a specific DJ. I think Cool Breeze or one of those guys was DJing for them. Or either everything he did, they was there rock, rocking. So then it was, it, that was always a group that we wanted to battle with. Supreme Force wanted to battle with. You know, it never happened. Why, I don't know. But it just, you know, we, it was like, we start moving in different circles, but Rakim was the more most popular one out of the Love Brothers, and um, he was also, I think, the youngest. You know, he was the smallest. He was the youngest, but I remember his name ringing bells like yo. He's like yo. There's this kid over on the other side. You gotta, you gotta see him, Fox. You gotta, you gotta see him. Y'all need to battle. Y'all need to battle, right? And people used to always say that. My brother, a bunch of people used to always say that. You know what I mean? So me being singled out as the one that people should battle out of my crew, him being singled out, it always, I just always kept him on my radar. You know what I mean? Then I finally seen him rock and wine dance high school in the gym one day. And I was like, yo, this dude is dope. You know, he, I got a tape. He said, let's rock together, Fox. We gonna rock together. Freddie, he said, yo, they, you know, me and my brother had brought me to this event and he, we, he rocked, I rocked, we rocked together. It wasn't a battle, but he rocked and left and then I rocked and left with him. He was always Rockin was the pop most popular one out of all out of all of the Love Brothers. And then, how would uh, the the meeting with Eric be? What was the importance of that meeting for anyone at that time? Well, Eric was Eric was out in Long Island looking for talent, and I think he was a mobile DJ with BLS, and I think he wanted at one point to just kind of do his own project, and he he wanted to find a, an artist, so he. Um, yeah. He came out to Long Island. He was familiar with some cats out there. And one of the guys he knew, Alvin Tony, was a very good friend of mine. And he, um, I guess he asked Alvin, you know, who's out here? Give me some MCs out here that I can go see that I can recruit for this project. He's only looking for one. So I just happened to run into them on on uh, coming through town on, on this road called Straight Path. I was, I was driving by and he flagged me down. He said, yo, there go Fox right there. So I think the two names that was mentioned to him was me and Rakim. So I ran into them first and then Eric was like, yo, man, I'm looking for, you know, he said, yo, this is Eric B. Eric B, this is Freddie C or whatever. He said, I'm looking for somebody to spit on my, a rap on my project. And I was like, all right, that's dope. I said, yeah, we got, you know, we got, we got some, some dope routines. I started telling him about what, what we do as a group. So he was like, well, I'm looking for, I don't need, I just need one rapper. Like I don't need like a group. You know, I just need one. So I was like, ah, cause you know, the the plan was for us to do this together. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of what I wanted to stick to because I always felt like working with Eric and Kurt, pushed me to be better hmm. because Kurt got bars and E was a party rocker who had bars and it always pushed me to, to rap better. You know what I mean? And um, when he, he said to me, I think Eric's words were, if I can remember correctly, he said, well, I, I'm going to come by your house or, or I'm going to meet, we can meet up at five o'clock. I'll meet you at, I think I'm supposed to meet him somewhere at somebody's house or somewhere I'm supposed to go. But I just felt like I said, I, I said I was going to come, but I didn't come because I felt like, you know what? It don't even make no sense for me to go if he's not looking for all of us. If he was looking for all of us, then I could go line that up. I would love to take that news back to my guys and say, yo, dog, we good. We got this and that. But it wasn't going to be that. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm good. And then that's what happened. So then he went on. He went to his next situation or whatever. I think he might have met Rakim way before that meeting with me and him even took place. Right. 
So, you know, it, that's destiny, man. So it is what it is. And that's, you know, that's that's what it's supposed to be. So uh, I have to ask you, after after you first heard or after even thinking now, after you, you heard uh, Paid in Full, what would have been a track that you would want to have been on or you think you would have absolutely bodied? I would have bodied all of that shit. <laughs> I would have did, I would have did something. I wouldn't have did. I'm gonna be honest with you. Rakim did something that, to me, carved out. It carved out a, a new direction for hip hop. I don't think. I don't know if my work would have did that. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't think yeah. my. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if my work would have carved out. It would. De- it would have definitely been something people rocked and be like, "Yo, this right. is no." But Rakim, Rakim carved out a whole. Because I remember when I first heard certain rappers that were inspirations to us rapping they switched their whole rap style when he came out <laughs> i was like oh shit, he don't rap like that no i thought it was a different artist but they were all rapping like rakim and i was like oh shit. so i knew i'm glad that a lot of people get it twisted like i i love rakim i love eric b i love the idea of eric b and rakim because i know that i'm always going to be part of that history is is that's the second reason the first reason is that that's that's what hip hop was about is about right. a DJ a MC make a classic put the shit out and and it and it it leads the culture somewhere you know what I'm saying I mean that right. that that Eric B and Rakim situation led the culture somewhere lyrically spiritually you know morally it was like a lot of shit going on there that you know guys started rocking clothes a certain type of way it was a whole movement so to be even considered to, to be to be the beginning part of that is a good thing for me, but I'm glad that it worked out that way. But I would have bodied all of that shit. That's I would have bodied all of that shit. Anything I try to rock on, I try to smash it. I don't I don't believe, and I'm gonna say this clearly. I don't believe what I would have did would have had the impact of what Rakim did because that was that was God's plan. That wasn't man's plan. You know what I mean? Right. But I would have definitely made an impact in another direction or some other way. I've always done that. You know, I, I want to ask you the, uh, the impact of rocking on you in a way that I mean, you, you, you even said it like the the guys that you looked up to, they changed their flows. And I think uh, I remember hearing an, an MC once say like when Rakim came out, a lot of us were ready to retire, you know, like, like <laughs> so, you know, like um, was there anything for you like when you when that album was complete, you know, finalized that kind of made you think differently about your style or was it just or did anything happen with musicality that you wanted to maybe change up? Um, no, I think what it did, what it did for me was it just gave me inspiration to keep trying to create something that I, that I developed. Like, like Rakim don't sound like nobody, you know what I'm saying? Like Rakim sounds like Rakim. I, I was always that kind of MC, like Long Island had a certain type of flow anyway. You know, Rakim, Rakim's flow isn't, unfamiliar to Long Island MCs because we always had that slowed down type of vibe when we rock. You know what I mean? And hey, listen, as that's where Biggie got it from. Biggie got it from Craig Mack. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Biggie wasn't nice, but Biggie was rapping a lot faster than he rapped until he got around uh, Craig Mack. Mm-hmm. And Craig Mack was the one who was like, yo, you slow this down a little bit. You know what I mean? Because that if you listen to Long Island MCs, like I think Buster Rhymes might be the only one that's real, but that's because he's just diverse like that. But you don't see too many guys that like Long Island has a certain vibe that Rakim vibe was was familiar to us. But 
he inspired me to be to stay different and stay creative. That's my own. I'm always big on that. I don't like I don't like doing the same thing all the time. You know what I mean? That's why when you make a record or when you make a song, you should be trying to create something that you haven't already created. You know, then no two things in this world are the same. And if it's not that way in music, then it's not music. So it has to be something that you create that's unique, that leads, that, that opens up the door. Even if you speak into the times, you know what I mean? Like, like you can't, you can't, nobody can sit here in front and say they're not inspired by their peers. Right. If they, if, if they really, and, and especially in the music business, because musicians and creative people are always, all of our inspiration tendons are always on high looking for something that inspires you to write it, spit it, cut it, scratch it, produce it, whatever you do, you know, digging in the rec for records or whatever the case may be. So being around that whole element was inspirational, you know, being around that whole, but it always inspired me just to stay different. That's the thing. And it's a big, big thing with me is just, I got to always be bumped. I can't, you know, I don't want to try to f- do something to fit in with the times. That's not me, man. I can't, I can't rock with that shit. I got to, I'd rather just create a whole new sound before I start doing something that don't sit well with my energy, you know? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. The Car Pro Show podcast is available on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. I can't take my husband anywhere. He's constantly behaving like a five-year-old, snorting, joking, yapping with strangers. It's so embarrassing. But the one period when he's fully engrossed in anything is if he's listening to the Car Pro Show podcast. Here they are now on the Car Pro Show. He gets to hear Jerry and Kevin share all the latest and greatest news and information about the CarPro Friends universe, reviews and commentary on all the newer vehicle lineups from every major brand, stories and testimonials about ultimate car buying experiences through CarPro.com, and certified CarPro Friends at dealers nationwide. My only regret is when this two-hour break from you-know-who ends. 
Save yourself. Grab some me time by tuning into the Car Pro Show podcast on your device anytime, anywhere. Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com. But before I ask you more about your solo work, I just want to what happened uh, to Supreme Force after Nia Records? Uh, I mean, obviously, they're not around right now. So, what 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 did you guys end up doing? Um, well, so what we did, we dropped. Uh, we after we dropped the single, it kind of just radio was was giving us hell about playing it. You know, a few people played it. You know, it was an all right record. I think, you know, for the time that we did it, the producers that we had would were more like. I think Tony and Yuli did a lot of Latin dance stuff. So hip hop was is an experiment for them, I think, in a lot of ways. And we made the record. And when it didn't go anywhere, I think, I know Curtis was heavy into education. He's a lawyer, you know what I mean? So he's, you know, he was going to school and then Eric was doing what he had to do, just working and making his money and doing his thing. And I was like, yo, I got to get it moving. So hence Freddie Fox. You know what I mean? And then solo moved on. I move on solo. But I'm actually doing a Supreme Force album now, right now. Like, it's and it's, it's coming out crazy. Like, I had the fellas here in the lab with me f- for about two days. And we jumped, we knocked off about six or seven joints. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, the bars are still there. Like, you know, if you know me, you know they got, if you know I got bars, you know they got bars. Man. Trust awesome. me on that. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about the uh, signing with MCA. Uh, I think uh, you were talking about, or you once talked about it, your early sessions, uh, your recording sessions for the LP, Freddie uh, Fox is here. Um, and you talked, you know, talk about the beauty of the, the in-studio session, right? Is that you actually get to meet people are actually there and you get to, they're walking through the halls or, you know, you take mm-hmm. a piss break and they're whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a few names that you've mentioned that you kind of met or worked with uh, while recording this i don't want to kind of throw out their names to you and okay. you can kind of talk about takeaway of them as for you as a producer as producer as an artist so the first name would be uh, patrick adams patrick adams patrick adams is uh, uh um I, I, he was like a study book for me like everything he did I, I studied his work like he was he was he's a he's a producer he's an engineer and i was watching him since the eric b stuff you know, so when I got a chance to actually work with him, I decided to be a sponge around him. You know what I mean? Just what's that? What are you doing that for? What button is that you pushed right there? He's working on this big thing. May have been a G series SSL at the time. Um, and he was like, I was like, yo, how you make my voice sound like this? Make it sound this way. So he was showing me all this stuff at the same time. Then I was always impressed with how Patrick could program anything like all these different kinds of keyboards and all that stuff like he was he was just be like like a like a wizard just programming things and and it was it was impressive to me to see a black man you know in his element in the studio do it as an engineer i always said artists make songs engineers make records he, he's the reason i say that because i watched this guy take the most basic sound and stuff and if he had to and this is the This is something that I learned from him. And I, to this day, Patrick could hear something and say, "You know what? The, I don't. The baseline on this is wrong. 
it's out of key. It's not the right. He fixes things that and people come. Yo, man, it sound good. How you what, what happened? He fixed the baseline or he 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 did something. Or he programmed the MPC. First time I ever seen anybody program an MPC was Patrick Adams. So he's a sponge, man. You know, I was a sponge around him. He was he was a very instrumental in my desire to want to learn the technical side of this business. Second would be uh, KRS One. Oh, Chris, um, <laughs> that's my boy. That's my guy. Chris, Chris is a uh, KRS One teacher. The teacher. I never forget he and I doing an album called Street Poison. Never came out. I think I have a dat of it somewhere here. He's like he produced all of the beats, and I went in and he took me. He came and got me. I never forget this. I was. I was in the city hustling downtown, running around, and and he and he said, "Yo, man, I need you, man. I need you to come in the studio." He's like, "He, I don't really think it's cool for you to be out here like this, doing this, this, and this and that." And you know, you got to come in the city. He said, convinced me to come into the studio and do Street Poison with him. And the album was so hardcore. He said he told me a couple of industry labels that he played it for. Which was weird to me, but they he was like he said they lay like yo they were really scared though like they were feared they were feared in fear, listening to your music the, the, to this music, and I was like okay that's what's up you know but that's what I do that's what I you know that's that's what that's what I do you brought me that kind of music and that's what I felt and that's what I did me and Chris always work together I love working with him man I got I got man maybe two or three albums in here with KRS One that nobody ever heard. And that's what we do. He he disappears for a while, and then he'll pop back up, just out of the blue, man. And yo, man, what's up? Bring his we have his books, drop them on the floor, and I start playing beats, and he start rocking. Then we get an album in the can. Then he'll disappear again and come back, books, drop them on the floor, start rocking. I play beats. We start, and we always back to back on everything. I love working with Chris. Chris is like a brother, to me, like a big brother to me. Wait, so what's going to happen with those albums? Who knows? I mean, <laughs> if I listen, they, they here. You know what I mean? I, I got a ton of that stuff. Premiere, you name them, I got them. I got I got albums with everybody, and it's just it's just content to me. Uh, you know, it's just content. Uh, so next person will be Nas. Nas, baby bro. Nas, you know what? I remember when Nas used to come around. Um, Power play when we was in power play working, man. Every time I, every time I see a picture of him or I think about Nas, man, there's something inside of me. Is just extra proud that I rem- I watched this kid, man, grow up to be who he is today. You know, and even though I haven't spoken to him in a while, man, the love is still there because, you know, there was there's there's a time, there was a time when when uh, Nas would say, yo, man. I want to come to, I'm coming to the studio. He'll come over there, man. Eric will be in there. I'll be in there. Nas is in there, you know, and Akinelli is in there. Man, I mean, just large professors in there. All these guys, man, you see these guys in the studio. Nas is the smallest, littlest guy in there. And um, to watch him grow up to be who he is today, man, is just amazing to me. I mean, I, li- I really love that guy. Like, he's like, he's like that kid in your neighborhood that, People would say, yo, man, I didn't think he was going to do it. You know, I didn't think he was, I always believed Nas was going to be dope. From the first time I heard the live at the barbecue, mm-hmm. ugh, 
was like, yo, something special about this one right here, bro. And Eric was supposed, I think Eric was supposed to sign him at one point. I can't recall exactly why he didn't, but I think Eric was supposed to sign Nas because Nas was around us a lot back in the days. You know, all all the mayhem and all the shit you know that we was doing and paid in full was into and around and all that. Nas was in the middle of all of that shit. Sponging, learning, and also bringing to the table what, what he was experiencing at the same time. You know what I'm saying? He was a big reader, a lot of books. Nas, always very sharp kid he's not a dumb guy at all you know what i mean so that's my buddy man i love Nas, and i'm always gonna be here for him no matter what you know and a large professor large professor i i think that's the first first song i ever collaborated on was money in the bank and he produced it and uh i remember it was for g rap for cool g rap and um eric b's brother ant ant live said, yo, man, you got to put Fox on this record. He would kill this record. And he took me to Power Play, and, he, and I went in the booth, and I did what I do, you know? And then and um, that was the first, you know, I always loved G-Rap for that that opportunity to be on that, you know, Money in the Bank, because that set it off for me. Because in that day, you had to, you couldn't just jump on somebody's record because you said you know how to rap. That, it right. didn't work like that. You know, I wasn't going and, and to think about this, this is G-Rap, Rakim, all those guys are my peers, but it was it, you had to earn your spot. You couldn't just jump on uh, a song with, with somebody just because, you know, how nowadays it's like, yo, man, my man's son is nice. He can rhyme. And then they'll right. jump in the studio and imitate somebody else's whole junk. And then next thing you know, blah. Right. But that wasn't that bad. You had to bring something to the table to even be considered to get on some, and then I'm then I'm going and I'm like, oh shit, Coogee rap, got to bring your A game. You're not messing with no scrubs here. This is this ain't no, you know, G rap will say some shit that'll make you write your whole shit over. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be on your A game. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 